Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, listeners, and a special hey, hi, hello to all you patrons out there. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Side Podcast under the Believe Podcast Network. It is indeed a podcast about black science fiction, black fantasy, and staying on the same page as a family. Speaking of which, we got Wild Wiggles right here, giving her a bottle, bribing her, also, you know, keeping her alive, but bribing her during this episode. Today is episode 98, and we will be discussing the epic fantasy novel, Black Sun. So good, so good, so good, by Rebecca Roanhorse. Um, and while I have your ears at the top of the episode, I'm not going to put this at the back of the episode. I'm going to put this at the top of the episode because I want you to hear this. I want you to feel this, okay? As you can probably already tell, we're coming up on our 100th episode. That means 100 times we had to sit at this table and discuss and connect. And it has been really, really awesome. So we would like y'all to celebrate that 100th episode with us. We're going to be going Instagram live to interact with listeners Answer listener questions. Maybe your questions are about Ben's culinary skills. Maybe your questions are about science fiction and fantasy. Maybe your questions are about, hey, how do I produce a podcast? What do I even talk about? We want to hear from listeners like you. So that listener live, sorry if you're listening to this like way, way in the future, but that listener live is going to be Sunday, August 28th at 7 p.m. ET. I'm going to say that again. That's Sunday, the church announcements, August 28th, (laughs) 7 p.m. ET. And you know I'm going to bug you in the Instagram streets, on the TikTok streets. So just mark your calendar for that night. I mean, literally, you can just join us in your underwear, just on Instagram Live. Now, back to the patrons. If you're loving everything that we're doing here at the Sci-Fi Sci Podcast, the fusion of black science fiction, well, black science fiction and fantasy infused with a little bit of love and fighting of our family, support our journey on the Patreon. You can give $1, $2, $5 a month, whatever you like. Special shout out to these patrons, Melanie Eli, Carrie Coleman, Geneva, Nellie Valentine, Jolie, Nora Bettine, Leona, Bael Bales, Lexi Moore, and Natanya Vance. Period, Pooh. If you are looking to join the Patreon, you can find the link to the Patreon in the episode show notes. Ain't that right, baby? Oh, yeah. All right, Ben. Now, I've been talking a lot. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I read a bunch of Patreon comments about us moving to uh, LA and someone wrote West Coast, Best Coast. I think that was Jessica. So thank you. I mean, people say that all the time. But yes, thanks, Jessica. Oh, I guess you could also say East Coast, Best Coast. No, Best and West rhymes. That's why it feels like that. Midwest, Best Coast, Midwest Coast, Best Coast. Are you excited about moving to the West Coast? No, I was writing down all the things that we say no. She said, stop playing with that bottle. She said, Tilt it up a little bit more. There you go. Oh, that's my baby. Am I excited? So, yes, I'm excited to have to find a new therapist. I'm excited to have to find new insurance. I'm excited to have to find a new pediatrician, to f- find a new primary physician. I'm excited to get a new veterinarian. I'm excited to find new favorite restaurants. I'm excited to find a new running trail. Um, have to reintroduce how I do my workouts. Excited to find a new gym. Yes, I'm very excited to find all this new work. Yep, very excited. What else do you have to find new when you move? Well, first off, like, I I don't know. You know, you started that with sarcasm, but sometimes finding those new things is a little bit exciting. Like, what? 
Yeah. But we are going to miss the Midwest. We've talked about that. We've gotten a little... I will know, not miss the Midwest. I'll miss Chicago. Chicago. Okay. Well, we've gotten a little misty... I, okay. <laughs> Who misses the Midwest? A lot of people who were born in the Midwest. I am excited to explore the food scene in a new city. I'm excited to schmooze a little and meet people. You know, I know sometimes people feel like I've made all my friends. I don't need any new friends, but I can can connect with one or two more people in LA. Like I'm excited about sort of um, what I'm nervous about finding a new community because Chicago is so, so, so community. Mm. Um, Like we, we could call 20 people right now to help us with our baby, like from babysitting to just giving us a break, or I guess that is technically babysitting. Um, So I think that's going to be a bit of a challenge moving to a new city, but you know, I'm, I'm really social and you're, Especially in a neighborhood, you're actually way more social than mm. I am. Like you actively talk to neighbors. Hello, and neighbors. Smile. Yeah, you're very like sometimes I'm like Ben, where were you? You're like oh, I was just having a beer with the neighbor for three hours. It's like okay, well can you tell the household when you do something like that? So I don't think you've been abducted. Yeah, we were talking about science fiction. That's the only thing that can make me stay and talk for someone for that long. <laughs> anyway, scanny way. Um, what else you got going on right here? I know you got you. You love to. Put stuff on. So, so for those who don't know, feed my baby. So, for those who don't know, uh, Ben, at, well, as all of you should, there should be some sort of general outline to your podcast. I guess we'll talk about that um, when we go live. But Ben sometimes doesn't talk to me about something in our real life, but he'll put it on the outline for the show. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of it's like, a buffer. you're it's a you're buffer setting me up here, being uh, getting you too angry. You don't want, bring it up. You think I won't make a scene on this show? Oh, please. You have to control yourself a little bit. A little bit. I really have. You're yeah, not that's bad. Uh, okay, so I see right here in the notes, Worldcon preparation. So I know that you're going to uh, a science fiction and fantasy convention on September 1st. Yep. But that is not Worldcon. That is Worldcon. That, that is, is Worldcon. in Chicago. So Worldcon is big. So I've been a little bit stressed about Worldcon because I'm reading a bunch of books for that. I'm giving a written presentation. <laughs> Um, I, I I didn't tell you this, but I recently bought a a pretty expensive book online. I know you've been a bit sad at me because we're supposed to be getting rid of books, but this book and I couldn't get cross country. But I, this book I couldn't get from the library. It was like um, all, animal alteridity. It's about animals in science fiction, and so that's sort of what my paper is like going to be about. So I have to. I'm sort of overwhelmed with all the books I gotta read, which is great. I'm. I'm Totally fine with that. But the thing that I actually wanted to ask you about. I think my baby needs a break from that bottle. <laughs> uh, also, we, we always say my baby because it's a running joke because I'm saying with my parents that like every time we're doing something, my mom was like, Get, put, put, put some socks on my baby. Yeah, put some. But, feed or, my or baby, she's right? crying. She's like, what are you doing to my baby? Right, right, right. Um, but my baby does need a little bit of a burp action right now. But what yeah. were you about to say about... Oh. Um, what I was going to say is that About I have never been household. to New Orleans. New Orleans. I've never been to New Orleans. Right. And this is the wonderful opportunity that I now have the World Fantasy Convention. Okay, so is World hab- Con is and World Fantasy are two different conventions. They are different. So World Con World, is in Chicago in September. And World Fantasy is in New Orleans in when, November. So November. I was hoping So that's we what could I thought go. you were about to talk about. So I was I like, was. I already know about the one. Yeah, so I would love to go that to that with you. I found I got all the details for it. I we can go together. I've never been to New Orleans. We've been together for a while. You've gone like three times without me. I think yeah. you I think you owe me this. 
You owe me to go to New Orleans. And since we're going through such a new experience in our life, might as well go to a new city. Okay, first Named off, New Orleans. Burnt my baby real quick so I can tell you why I have not brought you to New Orleans with I think me. You've already said it on the podcast. Go back, go let, back and listen to her past episodes. Okay, well, maybe they're just now catching up. Let me very, like, 30 seconds explain. Ben and I like to do different things on vacation. Every time I've been invited to New Orleans, it wasn't me planning the trip. It was friends. And I know those friends like to get shmammered in the French Quarter, drinking hurricanes, drinking grenades, and that's just not your scene. Yeah, so I it's hate hard getting drunk. Me. Well, you like getting drunk, but you don't, like, you're not, you know, trying to show your titties in the French Quarter, and that's what me and the girls I w- are doing. Half of the internet, most of the people have seen me without my shirt on who follows us. I on, know, but you're not TikTok. purposely doing that. I'm catching you living your life. Yeah, but and, I don't try to hide. Go I don't try to cover up like a, I don't know, Burt, my a, babe. A, a woman of integrity. I'm not a woman of integrity. I would show my my breasts to anybody. All right, it's upsetting me and my homegirl that you ain't burnt my baby yet. So yeah, get on that. Well, that's I can't force her All to right. burp. Let me ask you this. When are the dates for the New Orleans trip? Because this is what you love to do. You're like, can we go to New Orleans in November? And then it comes up and you're like, it's tonight. You know, that was the one thing I forgot to research. The dates. So it could possibly not even be this year. Oh, no, it is happening this year because I was listening to one of the podcasts I listened to and... Uh, yeah, November 4th to November 7th. November 4th through November 7th. If we are all, hear me folks, if we are all settled in our new LA place by then, I am down to go to New Orleans November 4th through 7th. Let me say this. Look me dead in my face. I'm looking, sorry. No, sorry, November 3rd to November 6th. See, here we go I again. was one day off. You know, it was a day off. You know, I'm busy on my Thursday nights, um, but... I can try my best to make that happen. Be cool. You do you do your live show. You do a live show on the in the hotel room. You know, I watch the baby. We go out. We you, me and the baby you, get some hurricanes in the French Quarter, <laughs> and you do your show. How are you? I love New Orleans so so much. Like the food, the voodoo, everything. How are you going to be deal with the fact that I'm going to go like hang out? And you're going to be sitting in conventions because oh, I yeah. will yeah. not. I heard a burp, so I'm satisfied. I will not. You will never it. be satisfied. Ben, let me listen, listen, listen. I will not be seated indoors at a science fiction convention in the lovely city of New Orleans. Of course not. You okay, you go I to just, a, you go to a couple meetings. You don't even do this. When you go to the conventions in Chicago, you I know, downtown a, Chicago. is So world, I didn't go to no con. panels. You go to a couple, then you go hang out and then you, you go get sushi. You go walk around. Yeah. I, I got you one panel, but that's it. Because if I'm going to New Orleans, I'm going to eat, drink and be married. Anyway, I guess I guess I didn't have space to um, deny that request because he asked me here. But if you're I don't know if if you're down to join us, we'll be in New Orleans, <laughs> November 3rd through uh, 6th. It looks like um, while you get Wilds Binky, I am going to read some of these incredible podcast reviews from listeners like you because y'all love us so much. Um, or maybe we need our ego stroked. We are making a commitment to read every review that comes through the pipeline even if you're dragging our asses we also love you know uh reading fun uh, fun by mean comments online sometimes we, we don't do it that much but every now and then we'll we'll do a, a funny 
a funny meme one. But these are not mean. Here is uh, a review from Boss Jade. Boss JD. Um, Boss JD writes, love this. Five stars. I seen Nope Sunday and left. I left with so many questions. Me and my friends were uh, typing send. Sorry, friend. The, the grammar here but that but that's okay i got your bag uh me and my friend were typing nope explained articles sending those to each other back and forth this helped me so much thanks guys thank you boss jd oh i get it it's like boss lady but boss jd i see you i see you boss jd yes nope was i'm tired of the think pieces after the movie i mean you ain't got a lob it in there for the audience but give us a little bit more um so your audience doesn't have to do so much work jordan peele okay the next review says love the vulnerability I love watching and listening to this couple. They are real and show true dynamics of motherhood, fatherhood, and marriage. Wishing you all much success in LA, the city where dreams are made. That's from Always a J um, on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. Like I said, well, Ben doesn't seem like he's too excited to re. Uh, you know, I, I messed up his life. Bitches in distress. Uh, but he knows. Ben knows that on trips cross country and trips anywhere, like you got my back and you're, you hold it down. No, I'm very excited to move. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you love to be like, Amber uprooted my life. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. It's, a, it's to be funny. It's to show that you owe me something, but secretly I, I do very much mm. want to move. Oh, you're funny now. Oh, okay. Got it. All right. Why don't we switch? Um, I, I hold the baby. And um, you talk to the people about the book Black Sun. All right. So we read the book Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse. And essentially, this book is about the area of Meridian, and it is based on pre-Columbian cultures of the Americas. There is a group of priests that are the ruling class. Um, they are the they are the, uh, the basically the cloud people. And one of those uh, groups of people they are subservient to is the group called Carrion Crow, and they uh, were put down in a very violent rebellion. So this starts in Meteor's race, and Carrion Crow. All right, talk for talk like for the people that don't know what if you're talking about, because even I'm confused. I'm like the Meridian. I, I, oh, I just don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so the Meridian is the name of the sort of Westeros, you know, Middle Earth. The, got it, got it. Yeah, it's called the Meridian. Okay, and then tell people what in Medius Races. So in Medius Races starts in the middle of. And so there are these priests who are in charge of the Meridian and in charge of the city, and they have oppressed a group of people, a tribe called the Carrion Crow. And the Carrion Crow is now, uh, they are now hoping for a rebellion and looking for a prophecy in which the Crow God will come as a man and deliver them. And sort of that's the entire setup. Pretty, nice. Thank you. That wasn't too bad. No, it wasn't. But at one point, I, I don't even remember it being referenced as the Meridian. So I was oh. like, what? Uh -oh. oh, yeah. Did I read the wrong book? No, no I, think, I think that's fair, though, right? Because when you read fantasy, especially as a practice reader, you look for things like the naming of the places. So is this Westeros? Is this Middle Earth? Is this... Um, you know, uh, the whatever, you know, what, however you want to describe it. And so they, they term this um, the Meridian. Uh, yeah, so there are a bunch of wonderful themes. The book is pretty long, so I don't know if it would do us justice to talk about all the little different parts of it. Uh, but I think like talking about general themes would be pretty good. 
So religion, religion is a big part of this, specifically raising your child in a certain kind of religion. So the the opening scene, we can talk about the opening and closing scene. Yeah, because it was like chilling. It, like it hooks you right away. Yeah. Also, can you show people the book just, you know, for oh, people yeah, looking so- on YouTube? Because, I mean... I know we shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but the cover is so badass. Like it really, I remember Ben was reading it here. And my brother was like, dang, what y'all reading? Like it, it really jumps out at you and says like, this is a book I should be reading. Oh yeah. And actually the cover of the book, I didn't really click to me until uh, afterwards, because as you can see on the cover, I can describe it for our listeners. It, there is a man and instead of eyes, there are crow wings sort of coming out it's this black gold color uh, very beautiful very simplistic as well but yeah, it thank is you for describing that I, it, I was like yeah y'all can see it right <laughs> yeah so yeah the opening scene a mother decides to do this kind of religious ceremony to put the crow god inside her son and part of her doing that requires her to sew her son's eyes shut in this very gruesome way and then she kills herself walks out of the out of the castle so i i keep i keep on thinking about we look at this and we're like oh this is so gross but you know we do things like this with children we pierce little humans do this with kids like we like milder versions of this not not sewing kids eyes we don't sew our kids i would not well, maybe if you gave <laughs> no. your kid crow power. So essentially nah, this, this little boy pick another. getting getting a, a whole bunch of powers and he's going to release his his tribe and give them freedom from the oppressive like ruling priest class. Maybe, maybe you, you have that sacrifice. But actually that's a good question, right? What do you sacrifice to bring redemption or bring salvation to a group of people, right? What do you... I mean, you think a lot about that. I mean, a milder version of that is with, like, child actors and child prodigies and child stars. You're like, this could potentially... This child's talent could potentially be our way out of, you know way to get better housing way to like thrive and build generational wealth like i'm thinking like a tiger woods or you know like a serena williams and venus williams um so like at what point i guess is is that ethical or you know or you know there's this whole idea of scarring your child right like we're so appalled when we see certain cultures as americans you know put face scars on their children whatever um, but then I'm like, wait, we do that here. We circumcise boys. We give little girls earrings. We do that same kind of thing. Maybe not in our mind. You know, I think sewing your kid's eyes shut is a little bit yeah, more extreme. extreme. But uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, Wild is right, like wide awake right now. <laughs> yeah, she's she's like loving this conversation. We're not going to pierce your ears, just so you know, because obviously I get tons of questions every day being like, well, how are people going to tell it's a girl or whatever? And I'm just like, Because that cares? is very important. Oh, who cares? I don't care. I'm not I'm not piercing her ears because I feel like one day maybe she'll come up to me and be like, okay, for my 13th birthday, like, can we go do this thing? And I'm going to be like, yep, you chose, yeah. baby girl. Yeah. If, if but you that doesn't mean it. you're a horrible person if you want your kids ears pierced. I'm not saying that. I also hate this idea of raising your kids very intentionally in a certain kind of religion because his mom forces this kid to have these mentors all these different mentors come and train him and this idea of forcing children to follow a religion 
I don't know. Is that okay? I mean, what's the difference between that and like just rules in general or learning to like learning that there are systems of hierarchy and learning that like that you can be a part of a community like yeah when i really strip away not that we're going to be you know really raising wild in a church or anything but we are going to like introduce her to like you know buddhism and hinduism and christianity like we're going to show her like here are all of the religions of the world and um i don't know it's 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 hard because it's not just church. It's not just God. For a lot of people, this is like a place that offers meals, a place that offers clothing, a place that offers mentorship. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to, you know, just completely dismiss it as you're just teaching your child to be obedient because it's a little bit more than that, you know? Yeah. I think. I, yeah. I guess like rule, giving your child rules for their safety seems a little bit different than teaching them that when you die – unless you believe it, you know, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you are going to go to hell. Like you need to ask Jesus into your heart to go to heaven. Teaching a little kid that, for me, even if I did believe that, seems unethical. Well, let me, let's speak to your childhood, right? So I asked Jesus Christ into my heart when I was six years old. (laughs) And then I kicked him out when I was 23. (laughs) Well, what were some of the... um, things that you like believed as a child that that kind of harmed you like that made you fear i think like every single evangelical christian belief right so you know believing that if you have an abortion you're a murderer believing that if you're um, gay you are uh, you're going to be judged by god and you get aids i remember like being taught that because i grew up during the aids um sort of the tail end of the aids uh you know pandemic yeah, I remember, uh, so my mom all the time finds, like, diaries that I had as a kid, and I remember, like, she found one that I wrote in, like, middle school, and, like, the number, like, as I'm writing a list of, like, goals and dreams for myself, one was, like, don't get AIDS um, or something, so it kind of tells you, like, where we were as a country, and, like, like that, that yeah. a teenage child's biggest fear was getting AIDS, and I was, like, because I was probably at that time thinking, like, oh, I kind of like girls, too, but... I've heard this. I've heard this thing "gay" be synonymous with, you know, you and this banky. So talking about being gay, there are uh, queer characters in this. One of the best characters is Shala. Shala is this part of a teak culture, and a lot of world, you know, fantasy, you know, epic fantasy has multiple cultures, and the teak are these like warrior women who are sailors and are super dope and super awesome. Could you describe the sailors in a little bit more detail? Well, yeah. Shala's just your wonderful rogue character. She fucks other people's wives. She beats up people. She gets super drunk. Um, actually, she's teak. So teak is a kind of culture. There's a saying that a teak out of water is swimming in wine. So she's a drunkard. She's just all... I mean, she reminds me of you in a lot of ways. Drunk and at sea. Drunk and 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 waking up in jail. Wakes up in jail. And fucking other people's wives. Fucking other people's wives. Sort of starts shit. Uh, There's a great sex scene, though, that you're like, you you read it and you called. Baby. (laughs) You called for me from the other room. You said, Amber, you know, Ben, get in here. I said, Uh, Amber, get in here. There is, look at me like playing with my little braids. Okay, so believe me, listen to me when I say, maybe around chapter 40 or 41. 
Almost now listen to this. Yeah. Yes. Now listen to this, Ben, because I want you to take notes. Okay. So the character Serapio, that's the, the, he was the young boy whose mother sewed his eyes shut. He's kind of strange, but he's kind of this like, you know, um, smoldering wonder. I describe him as like a Lenny Kravitz. Like he's like, ah, what's going on with you? A little bit of mystery. And at one point, Shala, the, the female bisexual half mermaid, half pirate lead. She just keeps saying like, Oh, we've been at sea so many days. Like I could just really use a hot bath and a couple of days go by. And even Serapio takes a bath at one point, but it's in cold water. And she's like, Oh, you smell clean. And, and he's like, well, I just did it by the river. It wasn't a hot bath, blah, blah, blah. blah. And we find out later, you know, here are all the spoilers that, Serapio has this great destiny and at the end of this great destiny to go, you know, fight the kingdom or whatever. He's going to die. Save his, his save, tribe. Save his which tribe. Which he's never met before, by the way. Right. Talking but, about- but this is his legacy, his destiny. Stupid. And so he, it's like the night before he knows he's going to die. And obviously Shala's like really hurt by that because she's starting to really fall for this guy. And he takes her on this magical, mythical surprise date and when she gets to the date, like, obviously she's thinking like, oh, we're probably going to just go have sex in a field or something. It's our last night. He set up the most beautiful, like, hot, aromatic, sexy bath. And he just bathes her. And it's so intimate and so erotic that I was, like, sweating reading this chapter. It is hot. <laughs> Rebecca Roanhorse can write some sex, let me tell you, because it wasn't even just the bath. Like, it wasn't even that. It was the this man who, who cannot see, who doesn't really have any friends, isn't sociable. Like, he... His, all of his other senses are heightened, obviously, and he can fight like a badass and all this, but he's not this, like, toxic, masculine, you know, bravado, machismo guy. He's, like, listening to this woman's needs mm. and desires, not mm. violating her body, and, mm. at, and giving her, on his last night alive, the thing that she needs. So it's yeah. all of that encased in the... And, and, and you could just... It was it was written so stylistically well that you felt the smoke of this bathhouse coming up in this steam, and it was sexy. Oh yeah. Also, you know why Shala also reminds me of you? Why? Because she sings. Her she has this magical power where she sings, Wait. and with her song, she can control the water, and that's what you do. I do. And you also I don't, sing I can't with water. No water. So this morning, you were singing in the shower so loud. Wild was asleep. You woke her up. But that's who you are. That's you sing with water. And I, well, I sing with and without water. But Ben, come on now. You, you didn't get like what you call a stiffy reading that chapter. A stiffy. Yes, absolutely. I got a stiffy. Why are you not acknowledging it? You're I, like, I was also, the one who, no, no, who brought no. it up. No. That scene made the book. Yeah, it really because did. it wasn't just like their hotness. Like this man just bathing a woman. Like that's just when she's just kind of like at the end of her rope. Like wasn't that beautiful? <laughs> Didn't that inspire you? I guess to listen to the love of your life. Yeah, and just give her warm aromatic baths. Yes, didn't they? Don't even have sex; they just kiss. Yeah, right. But it was so intimate, and I think. I don't know, like in in the era of 
I don't know. I, I think I think the first time we can all we can all remember the first time we had sex, right? Like it was not hot. It was not fun. Um, in a non-consensual, it, well, it was consensual, but it was still painful. And you know, guys at the time was like, "I'm a real man. I don't need lube." And you're like, oh, "For fuck's sake!" Yes. Like, yeah, yes, dude. the fuck you do. And so it was just. I remember thinking as when I was like, you know, a teenager having sex, I was like, this is, this is what all the songs wrote about, huh? Like, this is as good as it gets. Like, this is really isn't that great. Like, I mean, it's fine, but it's not like, you know, all night long, what all of these R&B songs are about. And then you get in college or maybe even later than college and you're like, oh, I can masturbate. Like this definitely enhances the yeah. experience. And then you meet someone like Ben who's like, tell me what you need. I'm listening to your needs in this very intimate space. And then and you're like, oh, this is what the girls were talking about. Exactly. The girls and is in like the songs. I don't even get mad when you charge your vibrator on top of my computer. You oh, try, yeah, I yeah, did that this yeah. You well, your uh hole, <laughs> like well, your USB. You know these these MacBooks don't have USBs. Oh yeah, so you had to use. Yeah, I didn't mind. I was like, you know what? <laughs> Most probably some of that juice on that vibrator is mine as well. So okay, I haven't seen okay. you clean that. Okay, vibrator. let's spare the people okay. this conversation. Also, like, Wild's gonna be like, oh my god, my parents are the worst. But yeah, it's it's just so refreshing. Like I'm I'm so there's there's just so many studies about like how many women will never have an orgasm, like mm. married women as well. And so I I would task all of their male partners or, I mean, I'm going to assume male partners because women's make sure it's women's masturbates or comes or finishes or whatever you want to call it. But I'm going to task all of those males to read the book Black Sun, a book truly about a, a blind man listening to the needs of a woman, paying attention to her, and giving her what she needs. And then right after violently killing hundreds of people. For the, a legacy. For a legacy. There's the violence in here is extreme. Yeah, oh my is. God. Like when it happens, you're just sort of blah, God. Yeah, blah. yeah but that's not why I Crows I like, ripping off faces and Yeah. Mm, yeah, no, that was really intense and it kind of spoiler alert for Stranger Things. Um, reminded me of that Eddie Munson final oh, scene. Oh God! Like with all of those bats and gargoyles and whatever. Like, yeah. think that if you're watching Stranger Things, um, th- think that. But you know that that never gets me in a book. Like when you're reading an epic fantasy novel, like what are you looking for? Like what do you get out of it? I get out of the magic systems. I love awesome magic systems. And the magic system here, the Teak's magic, their ability to sing is really cool. But also the blood magic. Like magic in here is scary. It is rare and it's scary. And that's uh, those who love Game of Thrones will love this book because Mm -hmm. when it happens, it requires like weird things like sewing your kid's eyes shut. It requires, you know, ripping blood. It requires doing some weird stuff to your body. And there is sacrifice when you use magic. And I hate when magic is just this all pretty type of thing. You like wave a wand around and Shazam, you get an apple pie but this is not apple pie <laughs> you get an apple pie <laughs> this, this is not apple pie magic this magic is scary uh there there is um this really cool idea of the warg you know warg, yeah i want to talk and- about that's the stuff i like like i like the magic but i love um 
So Ben taught me this. So I, I was telling Ben this morning. So in the story, um, even though Serapio's eyes are sewed shut, he's like the, the leading guy who, you know, fights and, and, and prepares his hot bath. I think that, that that's better than his fucking destiny to me that he can run a hot bath. Um, but he is able because he's the crow God. He's able to use the crows to see when he wants to. So mm-hmm. it looks like he's in a trance and then the crows go do the thing. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, where have I seen like sort of being able to see through an animal's eyes? And the only the only touch point I had had with that is like Flotsam and Jetsam, the two electric eels in The Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. um, it's it's a little bit different yeah. but because the eels can sort of show you like what's happening in the present. They like fuse their like one yellow eye together and Ursula's like, oh, this is happening. But this was a little bit different from that and you told me this morning it's called Wargs. So yeah. break that down for us non-fantasy people. Well, there's a tradition in fantasy where humans are able to subject animals to their will and to see things through their eyes. So in Game of Thrones, you have this with wargs. And in season three, you have a a very famous warg who dies. And right before he dies, he's killed by Jon Snow. He, you know, projects himself into an eagle. The eagle attacks Jon Snow. And that's where I think Jon Snow gets his, his scarring. And so that's a trope in fantasy. But what I like about Black Sun is that the controlling of the crows or the communication of the crows seems to be a little bit more consensual, right? It's not this subjugation. And I think that really goes back to this indigenous understanding of appreciating the animals, appreciating the earth. And not only are there tiny crows, there are also massive crows Mm -hmm. here that you can ride on and fly, which I was like, I've never seen that before. I've never, you know, you know, you ride dragons, but riding crows, like what? And you're like, oh yeah, because crows in certain um, Native American religions are incredibly important. And I thought that was pretty fantastic. Uh, You know, I'd I'd like to ride a crow. Or like, what giant animal would you like to ride on? Maybe a grasshopper. That would be fun. A giant grasshopper (laughs) just hopping around. I think, well, I would want it to be something either super fast like a cheetah, or I would want it to be something that could fly. So... I think it would be pretty cool to like ride a falcon or some shit. Oh yeah. Um but what animal would you like to ride and or see through? Now, if I could see through an animal, I would definitely um be in the belly of some sort of sea creature. I I, I was sea really beast. I was really hoping you'd say me that I'd be the animal you want to ride. Get it? Cuz like I'm an animal in there. I mean, this is like if I could have anything in the world, I already have you. Right. What? So why? Why? Why would because I say would, you? I already have you. That's true. Did, 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 Are you trying to get some mid-show? Is that well? What you this talked. Is going? To, you rem, you reminded me about the bath, the warm bath. How how is me reminding you to run a warm bath turn into you proposing sex to me without the warm bath? We can because you are man. I am, I am man. Uh, <laughs> this is man. I hear you saying you could really appreciate a warm bath. Would you like to go have sex? You're like, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, where's the bath in this? It's like, well, it's not there, but I just like remember that. <laughs> Are you cringing I, right now? Yeah. Mm. Would you run me a warm bath sometime I will this run week? You Can you be my Serapio? A, uh, a bubble. Yeah, but I won't go kill lots of people right after. You can do that as long as I get that bath, baby. 
as long as I get that back. Then you know how I am. Like when you satisfy me, you can do whatever you want. That is true. You can go kill, steal. It's usually <laughs> you're you're there. Actually, you have many paths to satisfaction now that I think about What's it. What's the number one path, Ben? Chinese food. Yes. What's two? Two? It doesn't matter. Any sort of... Probably turning off the lights, doing chores. <laughs> We're not there supposed to... There was a time where Ben was like, Amber, I edit the podcast, and you've started the past five episodes talking about chores. Yeah, I was like, I so please, yes. please stop. Let's not bring up chores ever again. Um, <laughs> talking about, uh, you know, you, you're moving to L.A., just right. me got it yeah and you sort of you've gone from this zero person to now a <laughs> hero you know in many ways like you 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 oh. were fired from your job as a core power so instructor. that makes me a zero were, yeah, because zero. capitalism because of if course, you don't have yeah, a job you're state, worthless that is correct and so you know, you've gone from a zero you, you, to a hero you, you were sobbing it was awful we came down oh, i'm gonna to, do that anyway. during the <laughs> during covid and you sort of now really come into your beauty and there's a there's an arc in here <laughs> so i wasn't beautiful before when i lost I my mean, job you were beautiful on the outward but you've become more beautiful on the inward i you know okay okay keep going because i so, this has to be going somewhere. so it is so there's another character in black sun called Narampa, and she comes from this you know poor oh, yeah, family family and she has you know two brothers one of the brother dies and then she ends up able to move her way up through the priesthood. She becomes the sun priest, which is this, you know, the ruling class. But because she comes from poverty, the other priests don't like her. And she's trying to create change within. And she's mm-hmm. trying to bring, you know, more attention. I, and I was like, oh, you know, Amber's sort of like Narampa, right? Because of my emotional lows that I came from? Well, no. I mean, you just started from the from bottom. Poverty. I mean, you started from... You didn't really have, you were like, a, you were Self-made. an understudy. Yes. You're yes. Not My the career main was definitely the lower rungs. Yeah. I mean, of it, the ladder. it wasn't on the ladder yet. If we're being, <laughs> it wasn't on the ladder. And so, Damn, you, drag you know, me. You, it took you a little while. And so now you've sort of found your stride. Yes. Uh, but um, you are taking some risks, like moving yeah. out to LA and Narampa takes some risk and she ends up falling. <laughs> and she ends up spoiler alert she ends up dying but uh she will probably be brought back to life using some like ancient blood magic ritual that's pretty intense yeah and because this is a series of book i think fevered star is the next one black okay. sun then fevered star it just came out so I look forward to reading that but i was like you know how does it feel to you know move your way up sort of like narampa not great not i'm just gr- kidding it feels really wonderful because I think, I mean, obviously the pandemic was horrible for everybody, but I, truly getting laid off from my job allowed me to figure out, like, allowed me to invest in myself and say yes to myself and gave me the time and space to create. Because mm-hmm. I think with every career I've had prior to creating my own things has kind of been like an afterthought or mm-hmm. an extracurricular. And now it's like, the main thing that I do, like I get to wake up. I'm so grateful that I get to wake up every day and make my own schedule and create things, create and sustain things that I like that came out of my brain. And, um, you just add to that. So it's really nice. And I was, I was actually talking to my sister the other day because she's kind of, you know, we all sort of have that stage where we 
just graduate from college and were kind of like, I majored in this thing, but I'm not doing that thing. So what do I do? And I was just explaining to her, like, it kind of does take a little, like, it's absurd that we're expected to know, like, what we're supposed to do with our lives at, like, 18 or whatever. You know, like, even the idea of picking a major just feels weird. It's like, I feel like college should be structurally, like, do blank, do just coursework for two years and then go do something. I guess, like, it's different when you're studying, like, law or, or on the medicine track. But, like, if you're not those two careers, you're kind of, like, just bopping around. Yeah doing busy work or, in college until you're out and then you're like I don't even want to do this I want to be a makeup artist you know one of the things that Narampa goes through is that she gets what she's been fighting for she becomes the sun priest which yeah. is the highest level and then she realizes this is not what I was expecting to be there's all this like political backstabbing there's this all this underpinning and then she's brought low and she has to reinvent herself and I think oftentimes you know that story that arc of like you go from like rags to riches but the riches you got were actually riches. Right. So you're like, now I gotta actually go back and find the rags that I came from. We're actually not rags, like, even what, though or what I thought they were rags. Means to me is yeah. really what, excuse me, her journey was about. And I think, you know, in talking about that, Ben, um, I think people. I've gotten a lot of questions. I guess we have gotten a lot of questions lately about like, well, why are you moving to LA now? Well, aren't you afraid? Well, you got the baby. All these things and. I feel like in society, we reach this level where people are like, this is the cutoff for reinventing yourself. Like, even when we were kids, we were like, when I'm 30, I need to be married with three kids, a two-car garage, a his and hers, BMW. And then you turn 30 and you're like, I still have no idea what the F I'm doing. And Neither I think, do I have the BMW. And I damn sure ain't got the BMW. But I think there's a level of like, Amber, you're 30. Why would you be uprooting your family to start? Like, like who starts really pursuing their dreams at over the age of 30? And I think we are just, you have really taught me how to be a person that's like, never be, infra- never be afraid to reinvent yourself. Oh, never yeah. be in- afraid to improve yourself. Like, when I hear people, you know, getting a divorce at age 50 and then going back to school, it's like, yeah, like, what is this? I guess, I mean, like with the whole kid issue, there's like a a time in which mm. you should probably have kids. But like this idea of maybe I should settle down after I have a kid. It's like, well, Wild's been kind of traveling everywhere with us. Like, obviously, it's going to be a lot harder to navigate. But I think if you really want certain things in life, like your age and your kids and your dog and all that, like shouldn't stop you like in our minds we block that out like you remember when i told my parents i was moving to la and it's not not that they're bad people at all but they were just like well how you how you gonna do that like what well you got a baby like it's like people move people quit their jobs people like i think the millennial in us really have learned that narampa Narampa. (laughs) to to go back to the book has learned that but like do your do you do you find that your parents and other people kind of look to you and say like are you seriously just gonna like work for amber and absolutely not work with amber absolutely not because i have complete faith the other thing that narampa has to i'm saying you don't think people come to you with that no what what do you mean you have complete faith that i mean i know you have why if i make a decision no one questions my decision Mm. you know that's just not what I what I do, but something getting back to Narampa. Narampa thinks, all right, this is the way. I can only accept help this way, and she has this very intense religious belief in the sun priest. But there's a other sort of you know hidden magic 
that she ends up having to learn to accept. And so when you're able to pivot and accept help from multiple different directions, then you're not just set on one path. You're okay with like deviating from the path. And that's what I am. I'm an improviser yeah, of life. You are. You're, you're an improviser of, you know, of comedy, but I'm an improviser of life. I think you you know me so well. So I think sometimes when you come at me with something that I wasn't expecting, but you're learning now, like if I ask Amber three months out, she'll go to New Orleans with me. Hell yeah. Whereas you used November. to be like, hey, on Friday, can we fly to Arizona? I'm just like, no. Yeah. Uh, but now. I'm planning a little bit better. Yeah. Like we can do what, and not that like flying to Arizona is like, we're, we're what, you know, people love to be like, we're so crazy. Like we're so spontaneous. Like I tried a new salad this week. It's yeah. like, With yeah, pecans. You're, you're wild. Pecans right. And blue right. Cheese. Yes. Like, By the way, literally one salad? time a coworker in the conference room was like, I'm just trying new things. So I got like this, like, kale salad this week and i was like i don't need to work with people okay <laughs> when does a salad stop being a salad and then i'm gonna bring this back to the book like when you put an egg in it when you put bacon oh in yeah it. this has been shady way of dragging my family because my mom would be like I, get in here and get a salad and it's like, stuffed with like chicken eggs strawberry like Ugh. every fruit Strawberry's fine. and every meat has found its way to this salad every cheese it's just eggs and salad Eggs. No. I love an egg on a salad. What? <sighs> bacon. Eggs. Sound bacon, off, patrons. Salad. Do you love an egg on a salad? Okay, like, that's that's a thing. The other thing about fantasy, you know, epic fantasy, is food. You got to have really great food. And George R. R. Martin is notorious for writing like pages and pages about like food. However, every time you say George R. R. Martin, I think you're calling someone whose first name is Georgia and then their last name is Martin. George R. R. Oh, because. I'm putting like a southern accent to the RR. George. No, you just say it so quickly that oh. I Okay. So George R.R. Martin, what did he write, Ben? He, for the people that don't there are people Game of who Thrones. don't yes. sci-fi. George, that's I'm, true. I I am George people who don't R. sci-fi. George R.R. Martin wrote Game of Thrones. What do you think that RR stands for? Robert Ricardo. I don't know. It, they're Rough Some, Rider. <laughs> rough Rider. Someone, George Rough Rider Someone Martin knows said. this. Yes. Someone is a bigger fan of Martin than I am. However, food is important. And they bring up cactus beer in here. Beer made out of the cactus. I'm like, oh, yeah. If you base your fantasy, your epic fantasy within pre-Columbian culture, you are going to have different kinds of food. And I think that was pretty cool. So I'm like, ah, I want it's to try so a cactus cool beer. It's so cool that there's food from a culture in this book. You, literally, you don't see, you don't see it. I remember hmm, I uh, hearing an interview by Rebecca Roanhorse, who is, um, you know, indigenous and black, and she is married to a Navajo man, and so her background is is pretty interesting. You can check it out. But she was saying that when she was growing up she never read about fantasy based in the Americas. It was always based in European kinds of worlds like Westeros, which is mm -hmm. looks nothing like Europe, but everything they're eating, peasant, ale, it's all European foods. Got it. And so when you, when as a well-practiced reader in epic fantasy, decently practiced, and you come in something across cactus beer in the in their bars or whatever that sort of sticks out to you you're like oh yeah for sure and, i and see what you mean now because I was, you know i like to 
pull, what is it? Yank your chain or whatever. Yeah, I think it's you know I got a good chain to yank. Yeah. Among other things. I think that you know food makes an experience. It does. <laughs> you know. And cactus You know I'm a huge works. foodie, and I have now made you a foodie. So I I can totally dig the 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 food the homegrown food yeah um in this story and you could almost like again she's such a, a great stylistic writer like like I love her style obviously every writer has a style but I love her style because she really gives you that sensory experience whenever a character is like hungover or had all this ale or you can you can almost like almost every time that Shala um the main pirate lesbian half mermaid character would wake up like I could almost taste it on my breath mm. that like hangover um yeah. that hangover taste and smell and all of that stuff so I don't know I just I can really just appreciate good writing and exciting writing and I think us watching Sea Beast on Netflix was also oh, like yeah. really like zapped me back into the book as well because Ben because he's awesome he's been doing a really great job giving me like the material early so I I got a, a long time to read this book. I had about a month or two to read this book. So obviously there was a time where I was reading the book and then I had to put it down to work on some other things. And I was really just inspired to pick the book back up after we watched Sea Beast because there yeah. were so many like crossovers. Um, I also love that in one scene, hi, guess who's in and out of sleep? We did it. Uh, there was also one scene where Shala jumped into the sea to say like eventually like this whole crew that they're taking they have to make this journey over the course of like 16 days and everybody on the crew basically dies except for Shala and does die does die except for Shala and Serapio but the first like you know two people that die like one jumped in the water and then the other one jumped in after and Shala was basically only they were tied to each other they were like ankle rope doesn't or matter ah, there, whatever there and is shala, a there's a scene in which people have to travel on water yes and it's a big part of the book yes and shala's part of that and shala jumps in the water to save someone who's been cast overboard yes, yes. and she can kind of communicate with the sea in the way of like moana so she ends up only being able to save one of these guys and obviously because men ain't shit they were like well we should kill her because she's the reason this guy died and blah 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 blah. and i just love the instagram of her being like i should have let your ass die yeah like, i should have like well, Shala felt very black in those moments. Like I, I'm not sorry. The other guy was about to drown your ass until I untethered you both. So and, and motherfuckers die at sea. Like that's how the shit goes. You know what you sign up for. Just one little plot. What's, device, what's the plot uh, device? Is that the reason they wanted to kill Shala is that she, turns out she's basically half mermaid. And when she jumped into the sea, her body turned half into fish. So she looked like a little monster yeah. to them. So she they they looked like, oh, you know, Atiks are cursed or whatever. And it turns out that she may be also have some sort of godlike powers as well. But we'll probably get into that more in the next book. I do want to say, though, that when Rebecca Roanhorse turned in the first um draft of this to her publisher joe monty sort of a well-known science fiction fantasy um editor mm -hmm. uh, he said you know it's it's good but it's not great <laughs> and like so so oh. she went back and like rewrote the whole thing which is what a good editor should do is wow and, and i think she actually i think she i was listening to an interview i think she did you know get rid of the whole thing and start over yeah i think she rewrote it she's like okay now 
And and so uh, that's so in what, a sense she reinvented herself. Yes. Never be afraid to rewrite. But, but also never go back be a, to the draft. Yeah, and listen to your editor. I'm your editor. Listen the the. You getting a little too fresh with the edits these okay. days? I'm like okay, like literally my sister yesterday. My sister's dog's birthday is today. And my sister's like, I just made this little 30 second video to celebrate my dog. And Ben was like, so we want these tighter. We yeah. want some of those still images. I was just like, excuse me. Excuse me, bitch. Yeah. I'm, I know what I'm doing though. You're getting there. You got it. You got an eye for it now. Did you ever think you would be like editing 30 second videos as a living? Like, <laughs> no, you thought you was going to be preaching the gospel. Yeah. But you reinvented yourself. That's what you need to call the episode, like reinventing under the black sun uh, or something like that. Reinventing the sun. Anyway, we got a spitty little baby and we have discussed this book to your satisfaction, right? Any yeah. size on the book? Anything no. you didn't like about it? No. I'm, there's Not a, one thing. I, I There is uh, one character I thought... It, Okay, so there's a very intense scene at the end of the book where many characters die, and there's a character called Iktan, the priest of knives. They go by Zay pronouns. Yes, uh, that was so great. That's yeah, Zay, I, like X-E is X-E. the they that but, we know. So I think maybe a little bit more explanation of that. And the, there's there's a little bit of it of the gender neutral, the third gender within this world mm-hmm. and within the world of the Meridian. However, I thought... That could have been explained a little bit more. They, the ending scene. I know this is there's going to be a sequel, but it sort of it happened. It happened a little bit too quick for me. It was yeah. The whole book was about the journey, and there was like three pages about the final fight. Yeah, which which was great. The final fight was fantastic, but I wish there was a little bit more of Ikton. I did enjoy Ikton as a character, and maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more through the ending. But you know. I'm definitely going to read the sequel. Yes. And then um, I I loved all of the scenes where like, I mean, not love, maybe I'm a glutton for punishment, but like Serapio has these really intense like tutors. And so the first, like his tutors literally just teach him like, you just need to learn how to feel pain and love it and make it your friend. So those are like super intense. I was like, dang, you got to slap, slap his ass across the face for him to get this. Like, yeah, there, the education in this book is not how we want to raise raise our own child harsh yeah like imagine saying like i know you just fell on the playground but you need to really think about pain as a friend of yours and then and then hit that bruise again yeah yeah not and cool smack at a root yeah but this is also coming from people who sewed their child's eyes shit so yes. i don't I, I wouldn't take parenting advice from them but anyway that's black sun um with that being said ben why don't you, uh, we loved it i loved it I, I don't typically love epic fantasy, but it was so easy for yeah. me to follow. Also, the audiobook, it's a quick, babe. It's a quick read. The audiobook helped me out, but I read it alongside the audiobook. Um, and Ben, with that being said, why don't you warp up the show? In conclusion, Black Sun is one of the best epic fantasies I've read this year. Make sure that you go check it out. Thanks, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sci-Fi Side Podcast, along with little fun coups and sounds from our baby. Uh, next week for episode 99, we will be reading Twisted Tales by Brandon Massey. Okay, it's so fun. It's so camp. We've already started reading it. I think Ben already finished it. So pick up Twisted Tales from your local library. Also mark your calendars for Sunday, August 28th at 7 p.m. ET. We're doing our live show for episode one. 100. All right. Bye, y'all. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.